Hello and welcome to Get Flushed, the sanitation podcast. My name's Pete. This week's show sees a change of direction. Rather than focus on the challenges facing portable restroom operators, today's episode is all about World Toilet Day, which is on Thursday the 19th of November. Looking at the UN website, that states that World Toilet Day celebrates toilets and raises awareness of the 4.2 billion people who live without access to proper sanitation and to deliver safe water and sanitation for everybody by 2030. Now, to tell us more about this initiative, I spoke with Jack Sim, the founder of the World Toilet Organisation and one of the leading lights behind the World Toilet Day initiative. To set the scene, I thought it would be useful to share some of Jack's biography from worldtoilet.org. After spending a career in construction, Jack has dedicated his life to social work. In 2001, he received the Schwab Foundation Award for Social Entrepreneur of the Year for creating goodwill and bringing the subject of sanitation into the open and mobilising national support in providing on-the-ground expertise. In 2007, he was elected a fellow of Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, and became one of the key members to convene the Sustainable Sanitation Alliance. He was named a Hero of the Environment for 2008 by Time magazine, and he's currently building a 65,000 square feet World Trade Centre for the poor in Singapore, and that building will be used to coordinate an effort to transform 4 billion poor people into a massively efficient marketplace to end global poverty. Yes. Jack, it's Pete from Get Flushed. How are you? Hello. I produce the podcast every weekend. Ah, where is the, uh, the audience? Mainly in North America. Okay. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it, Jack. The show is primarily aimed at portable restroom operators. Let's go. So I'll start by saying, Jack, welcome to the show and thank you for taking time to speak with me about World Toilet Day and the initiatives that you're involved in. Yes, uh, very happy to be able to talk to uh, audience with uh, sanitation interest. It's a really important subject. And one thing I've said in my show is that I talk about portable sanitation as a convenience, Jack, that we put portable toilets out onto building sites and at events where there is no permanent infrastructure, no sewers and no normal toilets. But reading all of your literature and looking at your website, sanitation is a much more immediate issue in lots of places. And I think your stats say there are over 4 billion people in the world who don't have access to a regular toilet. Yeah, it's about 2 million who don't have a proper toilet, but about more than 4 billion whose sewage is not treated, even those, including those who have toilets. So sometimes um, we saw portable toilet operator in India uh, on construction site, they bid very low prices, and then they dump the shit into the river. This is so dangerous because there's no standards there says that you have to send it to the treatment plant. And, and we see videos of people just uh, dumping it to the nearest river. And downriver, you get a lot of health diseases that is spreading, and people are drinking the water and washing their clothes and bathing their baby and washing their utensils. And these are also dangerous. Especially with fecal-borne diseases. And you think back in the day to cholera and, and now COVID, I think, can be spread through fecal matter as well. Yes. Sanitation is something that is a really big health concern. As seen in COVID, that hygiene is our first line of defence. It's a life and death matter, but at covid we see that the whole world understand now and the 
hand washing awareness is at its highest level. Yes, without a doubt. So, Jack, tell me, you've not got a background in sanitation. How did you become so passionate about improving sanitation around the world? Well, everybody has a background in sanitation because we all go to the toilet the day we are born. Yeah. So by the time I was 40 years old, I have 40 years of toilet experience, of course. Of course. But the point is that um, I was a businessman uh, with building materials, with real estate development, with the Australian International School. I set up 16 businesses and by 40, I made some money. And then I asked myself, what is the purpose of life? If I were to continue making more money, does that make me happier? And I realized that money is important. You need some, but you need more than that. You need meaning, your purpose. And then on the last day of my life, I want to say to myself, I did something good. So I started doing social work. And then I realized that toilet is not spoken. and Uh, There's so much problem. So I eventually quit business and devote myself totally into the sanitation agenda. And it's now 20 years. So World Toilet Organization is 20 years anniversary now this year. That's a great achievement, Jack. I'm reading your websites and reading all the blurb about World Toilet Day. I'm incredibly impressed by what you've achieved. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, it's actually uh, an achievement of a lot of people working together. So when you are doing a movement, you cannot take credit for all the work that is done, but it's most enjoyable to see that things actually change and life of people uh, improve when they have access to toilets, sanitation, hygiene. And of course, portable toilet is very, very important. I went to the biggest gathering in the world where that 30 million people meet in this Hindu religious meeting in India called the Kom Mela. Mm-hmm. And you just get so big number of people suddenly in an empty place and they build up structures within a short time and they're all portable toilets. Surprisingly, was serviceable and uh, relatively clean. So I think it's possible to do portable toilets in festivals, in sports events, of course, in weddings and celebrations, in rock concerts, so many places on top of the construction site. That's how I started the podcast, in that I'd been working for a sanitation provider and it frustrated me that the toilets weren't especially clean, Jack. And that was in a controlled environment where there weren't many people using them. So to hear you say that they can put on a big event like the religious festival and provide clean toilets, that's very encouraging. I think it's all about attitude. Because if you have an expectation of cleanliness that is high, then by that standard, you have to award contract according to that performance. And you have to also uh, have clients who insist that it has to be like that. You have to have construction workers who will not be happy or will not work in sites that are very dangerous to their health and their dignity. And then you need to have those unions and that's bylaws. So I think that it is very important to have the attitude. I've been working with Japanese 
I saw that the Japanese have a really, really good culture for cleanliness and they demand clean toilet wherever you go. So construction sites in Japan, they are very clean. They're safety conscious and of course, part of safety is health. And uh, when you go to a restaurant, it is a given that you expect that the restaurant toilet will be clean. Absolutely. And therefore... By default, the expectation of everybody is clean. And when it's dirty, then there is this shock. And then there's this outrage that they will tell the waiter or the owner, you can't operate your business this way. Please wake up. So in a lot of places, people take a dirty toilet as norm. That is why it continues to be dirty. In Japan, they don't accept this as norm, so they would really get people to take action. I think we have to do that all over the world. I'd agree with you. You know, looking through your literature, I see that you're running quite a lot of initiatives to support the World Toilet Organization and that you managed to get the United Nations on board. Yeah, we lobbied for 13 years, and every year we have more media coverage and more people wanting to have toilets. The demand for toilets by citizens it's just tremendous. So yes. politicians saw that if people want toilet, I'm going to win an election if I promise people toilet. So therefore, uh, the politicians start to take sanitation as an election agenda. So what I did was to make a lot of buzz about it that people want to have toilet because once they start to be able to talk about it before it was taboo, right? Once mm. they're able to talk about it, they start to want it. And then politicians, they are not very interested in any particular agenda. They're interested to win elections, to get popular. So toilet became a tool, a ticket for them to win election. And in India, this works very, very well. In communist China, surprisingly, President Xi Jinping, who doesn't need any election, is now the toilet champion. And he wants healthy people because it costs a lot to pay for health care, yeah. hospital, if you have unhealthy people. I was so shocked that the tourism toilet in China in the last four years has transformed from very dirty to absolutely clean, almost like Japanese standard. And I was like, how could this happen? And they told me it came right from the top. And if the president says so, all provincial, mayor, governor, party secretary, they run. So it's actually sometimes very good to have an authoritative leader who is saying the right thing. In India, Prime Minister Modi won landslide victory promising everyone a toilet and now he has built 110 million toilets in India. It's amazing. It's just a movement that is gaining momentum with a life of its own And all I have to do is to instigate it and feed the fire. And then the celebrities came in like Matt Damon, Coldplay, Jay-Z, Shah Rukh Khan, (laughs) Amitabh Bachchan, and and recently a movie star called Akshay Kumar actually make a movie about toilets and another one about menstrual hygiene. You're quite right. It shouldn't be a taboo subject, should it? It's something that affects absolutely everybody. Yeah, you got to go to the toilet. You yeah. got to go, you got to go. You go six to eight times a day. If you do something, anything, six to eight times a day, 
it is your culture. And if you can't talk about it, it's crazy. So what we think is that I also make a documentary movie about my own work. And Mr. it's Toilet, really funny. Yeah. It's called Mr. Toilet, World's Number Two Man. Yes. You can watch it on Amazon Prime, Mr. Toilet Film. It's very, very interesting because you will see it's not a straight line. It's not so easy to break this taboo. You have just got to be relentless and make a fool of yourself and look like a clown and <laughs> create the media and create the communication. I mean, I don't care about myself. I care that this attention for sanitation makes people's life better. And it's funny, when I started this podcast, people asked me if it was a comedy show. And I said, no, it's serious. It's about a serious business, a profitable business, but it's about public health. And, and we should expect public health and not settle for anything less. And the more I've got into the subject and researched and spoke to different people, I've met so many people with the same sort of passion that you've got, Jack, that they, they realise the importance of sanitation and it becomes all-consuming. They become absolute champions for it. Yeah, it's really good to see so many people and we see movie stars coming forward and solving problems. We also get the king of the Netherlands supporting us in this work. And last night, we just have a very beautiful message from the former Deputy Secretary General of the United Nations, Ian uh, Eliasson, because this is our 20th anniversary. Yes. And we're looking back, we can see the change that have happened. And so I think it's I die tomorrow, I die a happy man. <laughs> well, let's hope not. Let's, uh, <laughs> I mean, you're only young, you're only 60, aren't you? <laughs> 63. 63. <laughs> so next Thursday, the 19th of November, is World Toilet Day. What's on the agenda? What's planned for that? So we have the World Toilet Summit. Uh, please check it out and Google for it and register. It's free of charge. It's the first time that it's actually a virtual World Toilet Summit. Every year... We have it in a city. Last year was in Sao Paulo in Brazil, and, and the year before was in India. And we keep on going and build all this momentum, and then COVID came, so we have it virtual. And of course, the good thing is it's now free of charge. You don't have to fly mm. there. You don't have to buy a ticket. You can join in. And we will have all these experts talking about pilots. So I really, really welcome Everybody in Portable Toilet, come and join the World Toilet Summit. It's on the 18th and 19th of November. Yeah, I've registered and I'll be taking part in that. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to hearing what, what's discussed, to be honest. Yeah, this year we're setting up a World Toilet Standards and Design Guidelines because COVID has made it important that we design the toilet and the behaviour such that it is touched free as much as possible. Uh, we want to mitigate the transmission of not just this disease, but pandemic acts, because there will always be yeah, new no. pandemics. And of course, even before the pandemic, you have died to killing people every year. So I think that this is all very, very critical, and we should take care of hygiene as our first line of defense. And so we are talking about ethics in companies for toilets. We are talking about tourism income on toilets. Right now, tourism is in big trouble. And of course, we're having experts 
from different sectors and they are all debating about the new ideas of technology, of public policy. So do join us. It's a very, very good thing. And you can, of course, contribute through the chat room and the Q&A and we will answer. That's really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I really am. The one thing that I found in doing this podcast, and I've published almost 30 episodes now, is that there's a great willingness of people in the industry to get involved and contribute and take part, and that nobody wants to put a dirty portable toilet on the street, that everyone's striving to, to do a really positive job and give customers the best service. And I'm really conscious that I've only looked at the commercial aspects of sanitation, and of course there's a much bigger humanitarian need for it. Yeah, I think that the toilet, for example, girls going to school, if the school don't have toilets, then they can't go to school because once they start to menstruate, there's no place to change sanitary napkin, there's no privacy. And I visited school in Africa where the teacher and the student are shitting together. I mean, it's really, really difficult, you know. Girls who go to the bush in India get raped because yeah. they are alone and they are very vulnerable. And some get killed after they are raped because they just didn't want to be identified, the murderers. So all kind of ridiculous things happen when you don't have toilets. And I think that this is so fundamental that we should make everybody have access to toilet anywhere, anytime they need to go. Yes, yes, absolutely. If people want to support World Toilet Day in their local communities, what can they do, Jack? So we have a hip-hop song called Talk Shit, and I really, really love that if you can play that song uh, on your program. Sure. Uh, you go to my Facebook and you find that, and uh, on YouTube as well, and it's called Talk Shit. Yeah. And if we can make people talk about it, we can make people improve it. Right, because what you don't discuss, you cannot improve. So what we are doing is to make toilet eventually a normal subject. And if we are able to do that, I think the world change because you can't do anything if you can't go to the toilet. My podcast was reviewed by the BBC on one of their radio shows, the Podcast Radio Hour. They talked about it as a niche podcast, but I had a massive spike in listeners afterwards because people are fascinated by the whole subject of sanitation, Jack. Yeah, I I went on BBC three months ago on uh, BBC World Service yeah. Outlook program, and they gave me forty two minutes. Wow! Uh, with the ninety seven <laughs> million audience, <laughs> and and um, I think early next year, maybe January or February, there will be a Smithsonian Channel program about. Uh, World Toilet Organization and how Singapore transformed from a third world country to a first world country by cleaning up its toilet, its streets, its river, and everybody become healthy, productive, and get out of poverty. You know, we were so poor when I was a child. I was having the common things like intestinal worms in my stomach and I have a bucket, British bucket system toilet. We don't have flush yeah. toilet and every, everything was so poor. And I grew up in a very rapidly improving country because we spend a lot of attention preventing diseases, preventing crime, preventing all the things that are happening 
right now all over the world because prevention is cheaper than cure and the toilet is the cheapest medicine in the world. Yes. And, you know, I spent a week in Singapore last year and it's a beautiful place. It really is a lovely city. Very clean. Thank you very much. It, I thoroughly yes. enjoyed it. And you know, without COVID, I would have been back again, I'm sure. And hopefully the world will improve and heal itself and we'll be able to travel again in the not too distant future. I'm sure we will. I think that um, two years from now, flights will be exactly the same as before COVID. So we still got uh, an incremental journey. How is the World Toilet Organization funded, Jack? We don't have a fundraising department, so we do not have a lot of funds. But we do our work with a lot of volunteers. And anyone who wants to volunteer, please join us because we rely on the joint effort as a movement of people to volunteer either by advocating or by changing policy or by creating events, anything. A lot, a lot of people like writing the standards. We have a whole world of experts volunteering. An example would be we earn money from the World Toilet Summit each year we give the hosting rights to a city and we get 50,000 US dollar from them for getting the right to host mm -hmm. the event. And usually the event comes with hundreds of million dollars of media coverage. So it's a really, really uh, viable investment for, for those hosts. And uh, very often it is hosted by a government uh, like a minister or a chief minister of a state or a mayor or a governor. Uh, and then most of the time they do not have to pay because the moment it is held under their auspices, then corporations come and join in. Uh, we have done one in Philadelphia together with some slumbering association, but I hope to come back to North America to do another World Toilet Summit. I saw on your website there are a lot of resources that people can download and print and share as well to support the campaign. Mm. We are mission-driven. <laughs> but very focused. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We have World Toilet Colleges. We set up two World Toilet Colleges in India and we train and place professional toilet cleaners and sanitation workers so we can start curriculum with the Portable Toilet Association for if you guys want. We can start training institutions in any part of America if we have local partners. And um, using our branding, uh, there is always a lot of people who come forward to support because World Toilet Organization is basically the voice of sanitation globally. And we created the United Nations World Toilet Day that is now uh, embraced by 193 countries unanimously, right? So every country uh, next week, World Toilet Day, would be celebrating this with policy, with campaigns, with budget and provision of toilets and press conferences and uh, new technology launches and new products. So I think that anybody who wants to work with us can just call us up and we can uh, design some programs that's interesting for everybody. In Japan, for example, they realize that they have the best toilet culture and nobody is promoting for them. So they contacted us and now we're the consultant for them to um, bring Japanese toilet culture all over the world. 
20 years is quite a long time, but you've achieved so much in that time. It's absolutely mind-blowing, Jack. It, it's incredible. And, and we do it with a very small team. And the main power that we have is the media power. Our media coverage and our legitimacy mobilizes prime minister, minister, president, royalties, and so many people just took it and start to run it in their own name with their own program and their own budget. And the way I see a movement change the world is so much better than if everything is done by us and we are the champion. And it's not an ego trip, you know. It is life and death of people. It is dignity of people. It is health of people. So I think that whoever does it, we do it for the common good. And it really doesn't matter who claims the credit. It matters that people's quality of life gets better. You're very humble, Jack. I don't think any of it would have happened without you. you know, all respect to you, the fact that you are so humble and very modest, but you've achieved great things. I think it takes a lot of people to do it together. So really, really cannot uh, claim credit for what has happened. I could yeah. just say <laughs> that I was the, the, the instigator and fire starter, but uh, I tell you, this is the whole movement. And in the history of mankind, people break taboo. The LGBT taboo, that's still a lot of work to do. The climate change taboo was broken by the hippies in the 1960s called the Green Peace Movement, right? And imagine the Green Peace takes so long before people call it environmentally. At first, they think they're crazy, right? Small boat crashing big boats hugging trees and tying yourself to trees and all that. So this is very, very important, this kind of work of breaking the taboo. And then if you go back a little bit earlier, you have woman liberation. Woman is supposed to be like second-class citizen, cooking at home and taking care of the baby and just obeying the husband and never go to work. So that changed also, right? Because somebody stood up and said, it's not like that. This is not the way it should be. And then you have, of course, apartheid movement, Black Lives Matter and all this. I think that activists uh, have a role in society to plug the gap that is not uh, served by politicians or companies. And sanitation should be just a, a natural right. It shouldn't be a privilege, should it? It should be something that everybody has access to. You can't choose, right? You have to go and you have to go safely with privacy. And um, that's a lot that we have to do. And and one of the things I really would love to change is the way that American restroom is designed. It is designed with no privacy. Mm. So if we go into an American toilet, it is completely different from any toilet in the entire world. You go there and you can see the guy sitting inside pooping. And why would a developed country have toilet that design uh, with a, a gap on the door where you can see the person inside pooping? And also have this a door that is so high that you can see all the underwear just by washing your hands at the wash basin. I think Americans, Canadians deserve more privacy than the current toilet cubicle design has providing them. I think that design is something like 60 years old and it's time to change. You see, 
People need more privacy. You cannot uh, go to your most intimate mo- moment and, and then everybody's looking at you. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no that's, that's very true. I watched one of your videos. You had a chap in a wheelchair talking about the problems he has that he's just not able to use public conveniences. Yeah, I think that the disabled have so many issues that people don't understand because sometimes people think that there's only one kind of disabled people, those that are sitting on a wheelchair. Actually, disability comes in so many forms. Could be blind, could be visually challenged, could be that they just blur vision. They could not see the signage if you put something very light or without contrast, or that if they're colorblind they, and you put something red over green, they don't see anything, right? Mm. And then it could be somebody with a leg or somebody who has Parkinson's disease or somebody who uh, is mentally challenged. Well, I think, you, you I think the, to, young, the young man in your video had impaired use of his hands, so he couldn't lock the door. Yeah, and, and even opening the door, yeah. uh, the, the handle uh, is designed for able people, but then... It's difficult for him. And the height of WC is so different all the time, varying. And and so if you are transferring from a wheelchair to a WC, then I think you need it to be the same height. So these are the things that we are going to include in the standards and guidelines that we are writing. And we are not writing a standard for everybody. We are writing a range of standards and a range of guidelines because there's also poor people's toilets. There are developed city toilets, and there are a cultural difference. There are squatters, there are seaters, there are washers, there are wipers. They're all different. Now, I read on the website that your aim is to have safe sanitation for all by 2030. Do you think you'll get there and, and what happens after 2030, Jack? You know, the expectation of toilets is always growing forever. If you ask the Japanese, are you happy with your toilet? They would say, I hope it gets better, right? So first you have no toilet. So you need a fixed place to yes. go to the toilet. And then you have toilet. Then you need the safety of a treatment of the sewage. You need the privacy. You need the uh, disabled access. And then as you get better, eventually, I think that the future of toilet will be a diagnostic place that replaces a big part of the healthcare system, the hospital, the doctors, the clinics. Because as you can see, whatever we download into the toilet is actually data. And if we could take this data and read our state of health of our body or the combined state of health of community, then we would know how to prevent it, or what kind of healthcare system we can provide. And it will be very, very cheap through big data, through AI, through sensors, through spectra cameras. And you can use all this just as if you are doing an annual medical checkup. And, and it's, all, it's already happening in part, Jack. I know there's a, a government screening program in New Zealand where they're testing effluent for COVID traces to see whether or not there are any non-reported community cases by detecting any um, COVID bacteria or, or virus in the fecal matter. You can do that. Yeah. And you can do that right now so easily 
by testing the sewage. And then that is a com- at community level. But you can also do that at personal level in your own toilet at home. And you can even identify by biometric which family member is having uh, diabetes or high blood pressure or colorectal cancer or whatever diseases that can be detected from your feces and your urine. And this would be the same as if you have gone to a full body checkup. It should be done non-invasive and all the data gets updated on your phone just like a Fitbit. Recently, I interviewed the wastewater team in our local council who managed the um, sewerage ponds. And they told me about they burn the methane that they produce and they, they dry the solid matter and they make pellets which they then use for land remediation. And it struck me that there's an awful lot of waste material is, is wasted. We pour it away. It goes down the drain or, or, as you said earlier, it's dumped in the local river. And there's got to be a lot more technology to come in terms of using faecal waste and converting it into usable products. Yeah, actually, when we're an early man, we could just fertilize as much food as we eat. Just because whatever we eat turns out to be fertilizer that grows the next crop. As we move into urbanization, we do not recycle it anymore. We flush it into the toilet and then it gets treated and, and burned away. Right. Yeah. Uh, and whatever nutrients that we eat are imported far away from farms, and whatever we excrete never went back to the farm to fertilize it. So the fertilizer that we are using are all artificial chemical fertilizer from phosphorus mines and potassium and, and nitrogen, and it's not really that great for the soil biome to grow good crops if you keep on putting chemical fertilizers. And this one-way street will grow into many strange anomalies. One of the things would be that we will reach phosphorus peak, that the countries who have phosphorus mines would then be able to sell it at extremely high prices to other people. And uh, today, China has a lot of phosphorus, and uh, not many countries have. So this is one a warning sign. You have to be careful that this mineral is not available. And what is available is actually from the toilet. So if you were to be able to recycle that, then you would not be uh, held ransom, just like the uh, oil crisis where 1973, the OPEC suddenly decided that oil is uh, something that they can demand a lot of price for. Otherwise, they don't sell you and then you're in trouble. So I think that's always a natural way and the way of the nature has taught us that we are sustainable. But for strange reason, uh, industry are not following the law of nature. They're just doing this uh, one-way street rather than close look. And I think that's the theme of this year's World Toilet Day, isn't it? This, the link between sanitation and sustainability. Yeah, sustainability is actually very easy to understand. If we have uh, followed what nature has done, just follow how a forest ecosystem is done. You know, when you actually think about taxation system in a forest, that is actually a shit economy because whatever animals 
big animals eat more and they shed more and so they fertilize more for other people to eat the crop that grows. And then they go to another place and eat other crop and then they poop again and then they fertilize again. And, and if you're a smaller line. animal, yeah. it's very, very equitable. The distribution of wealth are so equitable, right? And and so the there is no tax planner, there is no tax evasion, there is no transfer pricing, there is no uh, tax haven in uh, some Bahamas island or whatever, no such thing. Everything is paid according to what you consume. And I think that kind of society we should copy and we should apply them into our uh, new world order. Jack, I think you're ahead of your time. It's really refreshing to talk to you. You're so candid and honest and there's no ego there at all. Um, it's a great privilege. Thank you for taking time to discuss these things with me tonight. It's been really good. Thank you very much. And anyone who wants to contact me, just you know where to find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on wherever. And I will just uh, answer your question. And if we have something to do, let's do it for the common good. Jack, that's absolutely brilliant. I'm conscious that I've taken up over 40 minutes of your time. I don't want to ruin it. It's Friday night. You must be going out for dinner somewhere nice in Singapore. <laughs> Thank you very much for the opportunity to reach out to all the portable toilet community. Love you guys to be in touch. And uh, see you on World Toilet Summit. That's excellent. Thank you, Jack. I'll be there and I'll be taking part. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. My homies, yo, we gon' make a hit. Huh? We gon' make a hit while we're talking shit. Hey, take a sip. Ha, shit, this is lit. Da, bit your monkey gig. Kaya like it, you beat it. Told my homies, yo, we gon' make a hit. Huh? We gon' make a hit while we're talking shit. Hey, take a sip. Ha, shit, this is lit. Yeah, bit your monkey gig. Kaya like it, you beat it. Yeah, talk about it. Talk, talk about it. Yeah, talk about it. Talk, talk about it. Yeah, talk about it. Talk, talk about it. Yeah. Be the only song you hear me talk about shit Like literally, no cap I'm about to talk about shit Kaka and all that Life improvements with proper sanitation Then you got this Call it a movement Power movement I have this All jokes aside man Like we all do it Kada gampang Kada keras Kadang sulit And on some other days We can't seem to quit Imagine those without a proper toilet Love your roommate uh, Told my homies yo We gon' make a hit huh? We gon' make a hit While we're talking shit Hey, take a sip <laughs> Shit this it is lit I bet your money so that was Jack Sim from the World Toilet Organization. I really enjoyed that conversation, not least because Jack really challenged my thinking and presented sanitation in a whole new paradigm that I hadn't previously considered. Jack raised so many different concepts and ideas that I'm sure I'm going to need to follow up when I launch season two, if not before. Jack was very modest and he was quick to praise everyone else, but he's a true statesman and he left me feeling that I've been really blessed to share that time with him last night. Please check out the website, worldtoilet.org, register for the World Toilet Day Summit, download the posters and do your bit to support World Toilet Day on Thursday the 19th of November. Once again, thank you for your time. I've been Pete and you've been listening to Get Flushed. <laughs>